The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Good wine and 
Imagine if in life, maybe Sunday night, you hear the rumbling of your neighbor's team. You rush out the front door, partly because you don't want to suggest a feeling, but also because you might have an opportunity of conversation with your neighbor. And it becomes a bit of a street routine. Over the weeks, perhaps months, in-day neighbor conversations have progressed from those safe, everyday topics, whether it is your job, their job, and getting into that next layer of conversation. Family, spiritual beliefs, it's taken a few years, a good listening, and perhaps some coffee and even meals together. But you're starting to see more of the world you ever had. And it's interesting too, because the more they experience themselves, and the more that you are listening, the more they are listening to you. And in the course of the now consistent conversation, you hear a story, or maybe a question that could be responded to by introducing Jesus. Maybe through your story, or maybe through just like another story that the Holy Spirit helps you with. You want to give them a sign that points to Jesus. Imagine listening if out of all the stories in the Bible that you see selected, you tell the story of Jesus turning water into wine. It's probably not the first place you might turn to. I find it fascinating that John collects this as the opening ministry of Jesus. Now, of course, it is his first, but Brian can give his own words just a few verses earlier, and perhaps a teaser for the rest of the series. Uh, you will see later things from this. Still, it's a crack over story. It's set in a small country town, but this wedding has really had many defining features. Someone's obscuring that thing. There's only really two. The first is the death of Jesus and his mother and disciples attended. And the second is that they had no wine. Or the wine has run out. Now, today, at least in my circle, a dry wedding is not that common. Maybe the circle of yours has different expectations. But in third century Israel, a wedding without wine was not an option. It was a legal obligation. For, right, for wine to run dry was for the bridegroom to fail in his duty of hospitality. In such seriousness was the situation that the couple could be liable for a lawsuit. Half the value of their author is legal to this could be forfeited to cover the lost experience of the community. And note too that this is a community that uh, you've been to the other wedding, you've experienced their hospitality, so it's sort of a reciprocity, a, a, a coming back of what you've experienced. So for the bridegroom to give that in word of wine, it does indicate one thing to me. He is safe. So we're at a full obscure wedding in the middle of nowhere where all gathered to find the feast is a guest group that includes Jesus, his mother, and disciples, and now they've got no wine. Now, third century Jewish expectations about wine are obviously different to Australian culture. While Australia's beer uh, drinking culture might applaud the rabbi saying, he says, uh, you 
without wine, but he's really joy. What a statement. Um, I suggest they would just as quickly boo the rabbi's practice as by reading the poem, one part wine to three or more parts, even up to ten parts water. Drunkenness would be great sin and is expected to be avoided. It's important to highlight the value, the obligation, and responsibility of those around mind in the first century Jewish culture that helps us see where that goes. And Mary comes to Jesus knowing that the bridal couple has embraced her. And she comes as one might expect with this good love. She knows Jesus, she knows his goodness. Uh, the first six chapters of the Gospel of Luke tell us the amazing events around Jesus' birth and childhood. You know, the angels, the shepherds, the, the prophecy, all the things that make a great Christmas drama. And so, Luke 2.51 recounts, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She also knows that Jesus is the tender boy. Jesus, as the elder son, has a special responsibility to care for Mary, his widowed mother. It's a responsibility Jesus attends even as he's hanging on the cross. If one chapter 19, verse 26 to 27, it says these words When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing in the cross, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother, and from that hour the disciple took her and kissed his own son. He did it to this same tender address moment that he did this sensational moment in John chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, it might come across like you as a bit of a tense response, a tense way to address your mother. It's easy to say. And in some translations, they, they try and soften it a little bit. They opt for a dear woman. But whatever word you use, when we look at John 19, it helps clarify that this respect is not intended. But I think it points us in the direction of what is going on here. Mary's relationship to Jesus is coming. It's not yet. It's a, it's a teaser of a thing that will develop throughout the gospel of John. Jesus' power will come and his death and resurrection. This is John 12, isn't it? It's the, the ultimate time in the book of John. But Jesus is sending his physical son, prompting Mary to come to him, not as a mother, but as his disciple, as one trusting and obedient Mary to her credit, she responds to Philly. Philly's hand is in action, but also a trust. His mother said to the servant, verse 5, do whatever you tell me. The mother is handed over to Jesus to respond with whatever way he sees fit. Now, if some, if some of us here have grown up giving this word, I would, I'd love to take a moment just to speak directly to you. Uh, for me, uh, I grew up within the church. We were a front row family. 
or prompt the continuation of a life transformed by Jesus. Now, this is just the first of seven times that we will explore. Seven stories that will point us to who Jesus is. Which means that this is seven stories of uh, seven different connotations to the neighbor of the Christian Or maybe uh, seven, seven different family discussions with your children or grandchildren. Or maybe seven different top, topic aspects to explore who Jesus is with one of those friends that you see behind you. We don't quite have uh, the quantity and, and manner to get the quality of wine uh, that Jesus provided at the wedding at Canaan. But Jesus does invite us to respond in spending in sin. And one of the ways we can do that as the church is through the practice of communion. 